The Start On Demand. On demand. The tightest restrictions yet in Manitoba to combat COVID-19. Gathering sizes, no one from outside your household. Unless you live alone, then you're allowed one person. Also, businesses can no longer sell non-essential items in person. So we're going to hear from the UFCW on grocery store worker concerns because it's likely they're going to take some heat from angry customers. Addictions Awareness Week starts next week. We'll speak to Winnipeg author Rick Bolin, now based in Colorado, on his new book, Addiction Emergency Response Plan. And the release this week of the new Tom and Jerry movie trailer got us talking about cartoons, so we want to know, what's your favorite cartoon? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Friday, November 20th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, the Friday edition of The Start, TGIF. And Greg, just wondering, ahead of the new restrictions that took effect at 12.01 a.m., did you run out and stand in line at a Best Buy or a Walmart yesterday? Uh, no, I uh, hunkered down yesterday, did not much of anything. I mean, did chores and stuff around the house. It snowed last night, <laughs> and I didn't realize it till about 2 45 this morning when I woke up and I opened up my Twitter and I saw a picture from Brittany Greenslade of people lined up doing exactly what you asked me if I did. And I'm like, where is that picture? (laughs) It's snowing in that picture. I opened up the blinds and sure enough, there was snow all over my yard. So that came as quite a surprise to me, Loren McNabb. You know, it's good, though, because we had been talking in our own house about building an outdoor rink in the backyard. Haven't done that in a few years since the kids were little. And uh, the snow is just what we're looking for. So looking at it as a positive right now. But I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. There were people standing in the cold and the snow lighting up outside of all sorts of uh, big box stores yesterday because the restrictions are now in effect for those non-essential items. And you can't get them unless it's for curbside pickup only. And so... Yeah, I'd like to know what people are lining up for. I recognize a lot of people don't have credit cards. Some people might be going to those stores because it's it's easier to go than wait for a click and a collect. You might not have a car. You might not have a lot of options. But for sure, there are people standing in line picking up non-essential items that I don't think needed to be. Yeah, one of the... Uh, it's funny because I'm actually thinking about getting a new television. I wasn't going to like, you know, go browsing at Best Buy or Walmart or Costco or whatever, but I I have been doing some research on a new TV. And on that subject yesterday, uh, Brian Pallister made, uh, when I got home from recording the couch potatoes, I I pulled up the the news conference and sat through that. And uh, this particular comment, and I think it resonated with you as well, Greg, I'll Mm. just play it. I just ask all Manitobans, don't go in and buy a head of lettuce and so you can get a color TV. That's not the deal. Don't do that. Uh, that'll be against the rules as of tomorrow. And for heaven's sakes, don't blame the teller when they don't ring it through because they're not going to be able to ring it through anyway. I get, and I also understand too. There may be we don't, and who knows what the what everyone was lined up for, but it may also have been just a Christmas shopping thing, right? Yeah. Like this is going to be a stressful season, I think, for a lot of people. I imagine for parents, for example, wondering, okay, what am I going to do for Christmas shopping? Although the perspective for me on that, just on a personal level, came. I saw somebody comment on Twitter saying. Um, all I want for Christmas is 
to, and I don't know where this tweet came from, but I think that it was pretty, I think they said, all I want for Christmas is to sit at a bar, have some mm-hmm. pigs in a blanket and a beer with my buddy. <laughs> pigs in a blanket. I love it. I think that's bang on, right? Like I, for sure, I get it. People are trying to create uh, special memories for their kids. And my kids, for example, are having their birth. This is their birthday month and everything's been ordered online for them or we're making promises for later and you're doing the best you can in the circumstances and and Christmas can be special for other reasons it doesn't have to be about the presents I get that that is the go-to for many right and so that I would bet that's a large part of the scramble I know when the restrictions the first round of restrictions came in effect two weeks ago when we first entered level red uh, just as a city let alone the province I know people who were going out to Christmas shop because they said they saw what might be coming and there's all sorts of options to get your Christmas shopping done. I get it that you, you'd like to do it in person and it's such a different experience. I appreciate that. But man, I think that's right. I mean, I'll, I'll, I would love to have my siblings that I haven't seen in well over a year and share a turkey together and all those kinds of things. And so I guess it's all about perspective this morning, Greg. Is this the year that many of us realize that Christmas isn't just about the presents? Is it about genuinely being grateful and thankful for health and potential happiness? And that's going to come in different shapes, sizes, forms this year for many of us. And just being grateful that either we have a job, a roof over our head, food to eat. I think there's an opportunity here. I'm trying to see the positive of what we're going to be going through over the next little while. And maybe it is an opportunity for us to reconnect on a different level, maybe reprioritize some things uh, for ourselves. I I'm, can only speak for myself. And, and, and that's the approach that I'm trying to take with this, so with or, my kids. Or being together, period, right? Period like dot, real, exactly. Right. And, and Brett, I was thinking of you yesterday. We were asking questions in our group chat about who's allowed to visit who and how that works in terms of uh, if you're living alone, because new restrictions, it's not just about the businesses and shopping and gifts. There's new restrictions that have gone into effect. Ha- hard, a hard no on gatherings now with anybody, right? With the exception of living alone, you might be allowed to have your caregiver come. If you're looking for home care, you might be allowed to have visit an elderly person. Or if you're single, you might be, you're supposed to designate one person in your life that you will now visit regularly with. Yeah, and, that, that, and, and by, by saying this, I don't want to make it sound like I'm looking to sneak around the rules no. or look for a loophole. But I, I, you know, because this is, I think, a conversation a lot of people are going to be having because um, my initial... Uh, read on it when I just read the news brief it was uh, another exemption will allow anyone who lives alone to have one person over for social purposes okay but then I looked at the public health order and I listened to Dr. Brent Rusin where he said you can have one person over and uh, you can visit them so does that mean that uh, for example like some Sorry, I'm just trying to gather my thoughts because I get confused when I think about it. But uh, one of my colleagues down the hall said, okay, well, let's say you want to go see your dad, but you can't go see your dad because your sister already goes to see your dad. But can he come see me? So he's my one person to come see me, but she'd be the one person to go see him. Or is it just one person, like like one each way? That's it. I I think think, that's the intention. Yeah. I think in theory. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't want to expand that bubble beyond one household because now you're interconnecting in that scenario with your sister. You're interconnecting three households technically versus two. Yeah. If that makes sense. And again, I'm not trying to be sneaky. No, I know you're not. You're you're trying to be compliant. Yeah. And at the same time, you want to be there for your dad. You need somebody to be there for you. You need companionship. Yeah. And so you're just you're trying to follow the rules to the letter, and uh, 
as opposed to there are some people who are looking to skirt the rules. You're yeah. l- looking to live within them. And that's <laughs> been the difference, I think, over the last several weeks, Loren, is there are too many people on the other side trying to be on the outside looking in. And I was very happy to see so many people like you, Brett, yesterday weighing in on Twitter or Facebook saying, can someone just help me out? I want to make sure I understand the rules. Same goes with business owners. I know people who are running businesses who are reaching out to me and to others saying, hey, how do you read this? I just want to make sure I'm doing it right. Yes. You know, nobody wants to be doing it wrong. And livelihoods are at stake. Businesses are at stake. Lives are at stake. So this all matters very much to make it clear. Now, the one thing that uh, at least I can still do is like, for example, it snowed. So I'm going to call my dad after. Dad, if you're listening right now, if you need help shoveling, of course, I'll come help you out. At least that I can still do. So, uh, do you want maybe... my address too? <laughs> no. Actually, I have your address. <laughs> I, I, have to, I, have, I will have to drop by there at some point to make a delivery. Uh, it's Loren. not going to shovel itself, Brett. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, I got so excited this week. Thanks to the debut of the first trailer for a movie scheduled for release next year. Uh After a lifetime of being the world's most famous enemies. You can't count on me like one, two, three. Tom and Jerry are about to start over. Because that's what friends are supposed to do. Oh, yeah. In the big city. Tom and Jerry. And in that clip, Tom got hit by a bus as Jerry lulled him, lured him across the street. Tom and Jerry, they've been trying to kill each other for 80 years. One of my favorite cartoons ever. I can't wait to see this movie. It looks so much fun. And uh, that got us thinking about our favorite cartoons. What's your favorite cartoon? We want you to text us at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia. And if you've got a story, like if you have a why, is this your favorite cartoon? Or maybe you had a routine. Like you ran home from school every day. I don't know. Text us a story and we'll pick a winner after 9.15. But let's go around the horn here. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Jeff Forte, Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore. Jeff Braun, co-host of The Couch Potatoes. Why don't I start with you? Oh, I had a bunch of favorites. But I think um, my absolute favorite had to be The Flintstones when I was a kid. And I don't recall exactly when. I mean, it was on every day. But it was also at some point in the weekend it was on. Because I remember many, many times it being scheduled to be on and me turning on the TV only to find that there's five minutes left in some football game and just getting <laughs> increasingly upset about how long it was taking for this stupid football game to end. And like it's like, come on, get to the Flintstones already. <laughs> it said two minutes on the football clock for like 10 minutes already. Why won't this be over? I was getting so mad about it. But... Uh, I, I just live for the Flintstones. I had a bunch of Flintstones shirts and stuff like that. and It was just the best. I dressed up as Fred Flintstone one year for Halloween. I worked at, nice. uh, at a store in Polo Park, and one of my colleagues had uh, a Fred Flintstone costume, so I wore that. It, 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 was, it felt a little too revealing, though. So I, it was good. <laughs> it, it's, it's basically just a dress, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So. I was Wilma once, so we should do that next year oh. if all goes well. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. That would be super fun. It's like also a giant too smock. revealing, just to be clear. It was off the shoulder, and I was short, short, and I was like, Wilma, take it down a notch. Holy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you I think, Wilma, I think you Betty's, I thought Betty's uh, dress is a little more sassy. Well, you know, I think they're both sassy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to go review that. 
<laughs> uh, Jeff Forte, what about you? I'm going to have for my all-time favorite cartoon. It's hard to argue this one. Mm-hmm. Except it has to be the classic episodes, the early episodes. Conan O'Brien episodes. Yes, exactly. I can't stand the new episodes. Uh, but yeah, The Simpsons, just growing up with it, it was just, it was amazing. Yeah, and that's, t- how, how many seasons is that now, Jeff? Like 31 are they in, Jeff Braun? It's, yeah, it's got to be. It's, it's at least that. I've, I stopped counting already. I mean, Makes you wonder how much longer it could possibly go. I know, like I just, I, I, I don't find them funny anymore. Like the new episodes, I could watch the classic episodes over and over and over again, but the new episodes, no. Okay, uh, Jeff Braun, do you want to ask uh, Kelly Moore the question? No, I well, I assume it was black and white. If it wasn't like a play acted out for you, or something. <laughs> the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour. Oh. <laughs> And I, I love the cartoon, but it also meant that coming right up after it was done was Hockey Night in Canada. So the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour. Followed by Hockey Night in Canada. That's a solid lineup. Bugs Bunny is one of those shows where it didn't matter what I was yeah. doing. Because it would pop up at like random times on random channels. Uh, but if I, Bugs Bunny came on, that whatever I was doing before stopped. And I had to watch Bugs Bunny. Classic stuff, Kelly. What about you, Loren McNabb? Oh, so I'm kind of cheating here because I do have good, great memories of rushing home after school uh, for the goof troops. Also, there was DuckTales. There was raccoons. I'm trying to remember oh, if it was rac- Saturday or Sunday nights oh, at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. You didn't like the raccoons? That was... I tried to like it, but oh. it, I think they only made six episodes because I kept seeing the same one over and over again <laughs> for like three years. I think it was because, I don't know, we only had three channels, so we also only got to watch cartoons or movies on, on specific, like it was really specific when you got to sit down. It wasn't like you could just have them on at all times. But I'm cheating a bit here, Brett, because I will use any, th- any excuse to play this. <laughs> That's not cheating. It's a cartoon oh. movie film. Oh, I will watch The Lion King, everything from the 90s era when they redid Little Mermaid, Lion King, uh, all those films that came out, and then they've redone them since. I, I'll i watch that one over and over again. Classic. That's a great choice. Mackling, what about you? Well, we have a couple of listeners saying Pinky and the Brain. So in my young adult yeah. years, I completely agree. I watched Pinky and the Brain. So intelligent. Such a great cartoon. Animaniacs overall. But I am... A coyote guy from the Roadrunner and the Coyote. He's so tenacious. I love underdogs in life. Never, ever did he give up. And I also have a really serious question. What was the limit on his credit card? that he was able to buy all that Acme stuff. And how did he pay for that stuff? Like, how did he make his minimum monthly payment? So many questions I have. Yeah, he yeah. always had a just boatload of, of Acme bombs and rockets and helicopter helmets. And- just order some food, buddy. <laughs> it would have been so much easier. Uh, remember so- that line, though? I paid my four bits to see the hot dog. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, before we get into our next segment, Loren just asked a question. How could I forget about this? Yes. <laughs> Let it ride, Forte. 
One of the cartoons you're telling us at 204-780-6868, your favorite cartoons, Inspector Gadgets, who are giving away that Santa Lucia pizza gift card, $20 gift card after 9.15, based on your text messages. And uh, was how did it go at the end? Was it... I'll get you, Gadget. Well, that's right. <laughs> Next very, time. Good. What was the name of the dog? I know the, the girl was Penny. She was always saving the name. Of, what was the name of the dog? Brain. 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 Yeah. There you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. So a lot of work still needs to be done for stores to get ready for the new restrictions that came into effect at midnight. One of the biggest changes. Retailers can no longer sell essential items in or non-essential items in person and by tomorrow those stores have to make sure those non-essential items are not even accessible to shoppers yeah you may be seeing pictures online this morning overnight workers in some of the biggest uh, stores department stores in the city coordinating off with uh, with tape and and other means to divide non-essential items from essential items same goes for customer behavior that's going to be a big issue. It's why the union representing some 7,000 Manitoba grocery store workers is speaking out. Jeff Traeger is the president of the local United Food and Commercial Workers Union and says staff have already dealt with customers refusing to wear masks. Now they're worried customers are going to try to buy things that they shouldn't. So late yesterday, the union sent a letter to the owners of Superstore, Sobe, Safeway, Co-op, just to name a few, asking them how they're going to help keep the calm. Uh, Asking to make sure that their management, especially the first few days of these orders, is on the floor dealing with some of the issues that we uh, believe are going to arise. Trying to get them to hire some security people um, and ask them what their plan is to manage keeping the limit of 250 or 25%, whichever is lower, keeping that uh, uh, limit within the stores because we know that some of the bigger stores uh, are having a really hard time managing to keep that number that low. Well, you can see that in the parking lots of some of them. And I know in the beginning, there was definitely people standing outside and counting, you know, in in April and May to ensure that people were at capacity. I don't know if that's happening now. What's your sense in terms of who is or isn't counting folks coming and going from stores these days? It, it's a bit of a it's a bit all over the map to be honest with you. There are some uh, store managers at individual locations, regardless of what banner it is, that are very good about making sure that they have an accurate count at any one time of who's in the store and making sure that they're at that twenty five percent or lower threshold. And then there are other ones that kind of leave it up to chance. And to be honest with you, in this business, it's a bit of a, a competitive business, the retail grocery business. So. Um, a lot of them are saying, hey, we're not going to turn customers away, so just go to our competitor. This is an issue we were having in the last couple of weeks with some stores just not enforcing mask, uh, mandatory mask provisions. So now with these new orders, we're very concerned that there's going to be more than 25% or more than 250 people in the stores, especially such uh, some of the large ones. And then if there's no security or management around and someone tries to purchase a non-essential item it falls on that cashier who is being told by you know their employer not to sell them that but they have to have that hard discussion with uh, a, a customer at the till and that's that's not ideal and that's not the role that our members uh, should be playing number one they're not trained to do that number two they're not paid enough to do that and uh so we are going to be taking the position that they are not going to be arguing with customers over this if that's a role that management needs to play 
based on some of the pictures I've seen on social media already in the last uh, few hours, last 24 hours, I know stores like Safeway, for example, have, had already pulled their magazines from the shelves, pulled their flowers from the shelves, were giving them away for free, right, just so that they weren't even available for a customer to, to grab. But there yep. might be that scenario in a store where we'd like to pretend the store is going to do the right thing and we'd like to think that the customer is going to do the right thing. But I think evidence has shown us in the past few months that's not always happening and so what's your advice to members should someone show up at a till and have in their cart both you know that head of lettuce and that item that they're not supposed to like the book or toy or or puzzle or whatever yeah the first thing that they have to do obviously and we've instructed them with a mass email that we sent to all of our members uh is talk to your store manager um if there's a problem. So if someone, uh, first thing you do is tell the customer, oh, I'm sorry, but you can't buy that item because it's non-essential. Uh, and if the customer says, well, I don't care, I'm, I'm buying it, then tell them to hang on and I'll get a manager from the store. And you contact the manager and tell them to come down to the till and deal with the customer. And if they tell you that you have to deal with the customer, then you have a right to refuse under the Workplace Safety and Health Act and we would, uh, are instructing our members to exercise that right. And under the, uh, what happens at that point is uh, a health inspector would have to come to the store and uh, make an assessment. I don't believe that management will allow that to happen because it would back up until, and so it would be likely that management would just run and bring that customer through and, or explain to the customer that they can't sell them that item. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is what we believe is management's role anyway. So that's, that's what we're, we understand that is going to happen. I know in some of the stores all they're doing is taping the floor and putting a sticker on items that uh, can't be purchased right now. Um, and we know that customers are still going to pick those up and try to bring them to the till. Yeah, customers might try to bring things to the till. Hopefully that's just a small minority of people, or maybe hopefully it doesn't happen at all, but that's a concern. You hear to mention the capacity issues. And then, of course, as a union, they're going to argue for pay. Back in the spring, we saw bonuses handed out to grocery store clerks uh, in, in April, May, and June. He says those were basically disappeared in the summer with the exceptions of Sobeys that recently bought back a brought back a lockdown pay. But the rest of them are, you know, just getting paid as usual. And now, can you imagine the scramble in some of these stores over the past 24 hours? Mackling McGarry and McNabb before we continue our discussion on the new restrictions that took effect today. Just want to read this text message from an unnamed listener who says, My favorite cartoon has always been the Roadrunner and Coyote show on the Bugs Bunny Hour every Saturday. As a family, my mom, dad, brother, and sister, we'd make homemade pizza together, and it had to be before 5 p.m. so I could watch it. As it started at 5, I would eat my one slice of pizza and say, Finished! to watch my show. Also, my favorite character was Wiley Coyote. I felt bad for him because he was always getting hurt no matter how hard he tried to get the Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. When Consumers on McPhillips was still standing, Consumers <laughs> Distributing, where you had to order your item from the catalog and wait for your number to be called, I picked Coyote and everyone thought it was the most bizarre thing that I would pick such a ruthless cartoon. But I guess I wanted to comfort him from all his hurts. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, I feel almost exactly the same way about the So keep texting us your favorite cartoons and stories like this for a chance to win a Santa Lucia pizza gift card, $20 worth. We'll give that away shortly after 9 o'clock. But we do want to resume, continue. If you're just tuning in, maybe start the conversation for you on the new restrictions, Loren, that uh, launched at 12.01 this morning. 
Yeah, and we've been talking a lot about just what can and cannot be purchased in store. And so the biggest change in terms of the shopping experience is going to be to that non-essential items. So the things that are, are or are not on the list for a store to provide. And I'm just rereading the public uh, health order and the long list of things that are a part of that now. And so if you've got questions, if you're confused, if you want to know, shoot us a note and 780-6868. We'll do our best to answer it, keeping in mind that we're not the people that writ- have written these or are expected to interpret them. But there's lots of questions about uh, how stores are going to handle this. They are no longer allowed to sell those non-essential items in store as of today, but they might have curbside pickup or delivery options. And then, of course, as of tomorrow, all those stores, the big box stores, for example, have to make sure all those non-essential items cannot be bought. So they either have to be roped off, maybe. Signs might have to go up on shelves saying you can't purchase them. Uh, one of our listeners suggested maybe they just remove those items from the scanning codes, and that way if it gets brought to the till, you'll know right away that item wasn't allowed to be bought. Lots of things to work out there. And then, of course, there's the questions of gatherings. And um, we know he's been saying, Dr. Rusin, for weeks now, please stick with the people who are inside your home. Well, now, in terms of the private residents, they're saying if you're a person who resides on their own, and this is what we want to talk about this morning, because I think there's at least 15 to 18% of Manitobans who live alone right now, not just seniors or elderly, but all sorts of young adults, students, people who are uh, just starting out with their careers or living alone. And there's questions about who can or can't come into their homes this morning. And it's pretty clear in that one person. You're to designate one person, Brett. Yeah, Jeff Forte lives alone. Uh, he's a young lad. I'm uh, an older lad. I live alone. And uh, I was a little confused earlier as well because I was wondering, okay, so is there anybody that I could go see theoretically? Because if I, it, well, the way I understand it is I can go to one person's home and that person can come to my home. But if that person already has someone else going to their home, then I guess I probably can't go see that person, right? Like if I wanted to go see my dad, if I were to go see my dad, then I guess I would be his person, which means my sister then couldn't go see uh, my dad. My sister also lives alone. Um, I'm also feeling a little, like, I feel kind of bad for, I think it's good like that they allowed this exemption. Like, let's say you're dating somebody and you don't live with that person. So I think that makes sense, right? Like, so if I had a girlfriend, then I could still have my girlfriend over. Mm-hmm. But I feel kind of bad for, say, like a 20-year-old. You know, if you're, say you're 20 years old, you still live with mom and dad. And you can't see your girlfriend anymore if she lives with mom and dad. And here's another question as well. Um, let's say I live, so I live alone. Um, let's say I, I, does, I had a friend who I, I interacted with regularly, like my buddy Kent. Well, Kent lives with his family. So would I be able to go there? I'm not asking permission. I'm not going to. I'm just, I think a lot of people are asking these questions. So I'm wondering, would that, because Dr. Rusin said, if you live alone, you can have one person over and you can visit their residence. Hmm. So the, hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I, once again, based on the intention of the rule, I think we can all agree that probably the notion would be that you wouldn't go visit a multiple person household. Yeah. One person might come and visit you, but... The intention would be for you definitely not to go and visit a multi-person uh, household. You could drop something off at their on their step, that sort of thing. Uh, in terms of a delivery situation, if you want to, 
you know, bring them some pizza or some homemade soup that you'd made. But to go into <laughs> the, they do that all the time. Yeah, of course. You're so kind that way. Yeah. But well, hey, you've dropped stuff on my step. Yeah. You did that for my birthday. That's and so right. that's sort of a, a thing that you actually might do. Uh, but I firmly believe that the intention would be, Brett, that absolutely you would not enter that home. Yeah, and again, this isn't about looking for loopholes. No, understood, it's, because there um, are people going to be asking that and for sure. and thinking it out, right? We've had dozens of texts this morning, right, Brett, uh, of all sorts of scenarios. What about cleaning services? What about uh, the, the man who's going to come exterminate my place? Where do I go? We've had questions about who, if you have to care for your mom and care for your brother, can you go to both those homes because you're because you're the caregiver? Like there, uh, There's all sorts of scenarios people are walking through right now. I think the intent is, you're right, Greg, it's supposed to be to limit and and to keep it down to nothing if you can do it right to well that's interacting why with mm-hmm. no one but i can appreciate that this is going to raise some questions they're doing the best they can this this order that went out yesterday as i was reading it had a lot of very specific information but there's still going to be a bit of nuance and a bit of gray and and we'll have to sort through it well yeah. uh, uh, the bottom line is they want you to stay home that's why they're limiting the number of things you can buy in the store. They're trying to eliminate all the reasons for you that they can for you to just stay home. I think it's that simple a message. Yeah, and you can get more information at cjob.com. And again, not trying to be sneaky. I think it, and I, I, I salute them for at least making the exemption for people who do live alone because the, I got to admit yesterday when it kind of, when I fully understood it and realized, oh, so for the next three weeks minimum, I potentially won't see anybody outside of work. So that's, it's just hard, especially going into December, to mm. think about that kind of stuff. In this moment, we want to talk about bakeries because we have so many wonderful bakeries in this city. Like in my neighborhood alone, Osborne Village slash Crescentwood, I think there are over a dozen little bakeries just on my like 45-minute walk route, all selling amazing stuff. But there's one bakery in Winnipeg that is particularly famous for its amazing imperial cookies and that love of cookies has landed this bakery with a high profile spot on TV this weekend, Greg. Well, and let's face it, the Imperial cookie is the king and or queen of all cookies. <laughs> it is well earned the name coming up on Food Network Canada. Winnipeg's own high tea bakery located at 2103 Portage Avenue will be featured on Food Network Canada with owner Belinda Bijo competing against America's top cookie decorators on the cookie, pardon me, the Christmas cookie challenge. It airs Sunday at 8 p.m. and 11 p.m. And Belinda joins us now on the start. Good morning, Belinda. Hey, guys. How's it going? Really well. Nice to speak with you again. And uh, I apologize. I think the last time we spoke to you, we sold you right out of Imperial Cookies (laughs) before noon. I think that was the day before the royal wedding, correct? True. Yeah, you guys are dangerous. I don't know if I should talk to you. We might not be able to handle it. Time. Well, that's the intention somewhat. So how did you get into this competition? You know, it was actually pretty surprising. They they called me. So out of the blue, I got a message from one of my staff, Food Network, like a little paper, like they didn't even come and get me. And I was like, yeah, that's something you should probably interrupt me for. But um, they, they'd given me a call and they'd looked through all of our Instagram and our site and knew all about us and knew our work and asked me to audition for the show. So um, against my better judgment, I did. (laughs) 
It sounds like a lot of fun, but at the same time, it's a competition, right? And so you have to, when you say it's against your better d- judgment, what was the thing that made you think you might not want to do with it? Do it just the oh, time, well, or the no. or the fist fights that result at the end of Cookie Wars, or what? Well, you're never sure, right? Because reality TV shows, you don't know if they're going the route of drama or if they're, you know. There, mm-hmm. There's that. I'm also mortally afraid of being on television and behind and like on camera. So I'm the kind of kid that, you know, I, in, in elementary school, I invented a sign, a sign language with a friend because we didn't want to talk to anybody. So <laughs> like we're that kind of person. Right. So being on camera is pretty freaky to me to begin with. And then there's also, you know, you're like, what if I get kicked out in the first round and like fall flat on my face and. You just don't know what's coming. So there's nerves and ego involved, too, of course. <laughs> so how many people did you face off against? There's in the show is like um, kind of like Chopped, They're the show on Food Network there, where every episode is its own competition. So there's five people that start. You work your way through the challenges. And at the end of the show, there is a winner. So it's not a multi-stage one. It's each show is its own competition. So it already aired on the American Food Network earlier this week. Has it been tough keeping the result a secret? Yeah, it's well, because a lot of people do have the American channel in Canada. So, you know, a number of people have seen it, but the majority have not. So I don't think I want to give away too many spoilers because, of course, most people haven't seen it here. But, yeah, a number of people have already been contacting me and... It's, it's kind of funny. Has it changed your confidence in terms of what you do and how you go about it? I mean, you, you outlined what you were like when you were younger and you're an outstanding guest when you join us here on the radio. How has okay. the last, you know, the, the last year or two or three changed who you are, not only as an entrepreneur, but maybe as a person in terms of your confidence and willingness to be out in public and to, and to present your wares the way you have? part of it too right you get to a point in your career I mean I'm almost 50 now so you sort of I look at things now and ask myself what scares me what challenges me because you know in all honesty I don't have a lot to prove left to prove to anyone else anymore I do these things as a challenge to myself and so I think that's come a long way I mean it's um it's kind of fun to to say hey what scares you Maybe you should maybe you should go out on a limb once in a while and, and try this out. And so I try and do a lot more of that now because I've even tried public speaking, which like nearly sent me off the rails. But, you know, it's, uh, well, it's about growth, right? You're, you're trying to find exactly. ways to grow as you move forward. Exactly. If you're just going to sit around and do nothing well, that's no fun. That's why COVID is so hard, right? You're stuck all the time. You, it's hard to challenge yourself and you don't. Well, not that we don't have enough challenges, but still. <laughs> well, it's coming up this weekend. Food Network Canada, Sunday at 8 p.m. and 11 p.m. The Christmas Cookie Challenge mm-hmm. and Belinda Bijou from High Tea Bakery will be facing off against some ferocious competitors. Belinda, we're anxious to see how it turns out. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. See you later. And again, the High Tea Bakery located at 2103 Portage. Or, of course, as she mentioned, they're on social media, on Instagram. You can see all of the great work that they do there. Um, it provided, you know, you, you don't mind getting hungry very, very quickly. I may have to place an order with High Tea Bakery soon because the, the those cookies are delightful.
Hopefully, I have found the correct theme song. Because our next guest, oh yeah, she's bobbing back and forth. Abigail Turner in for Gabrielle Marchand is going to sit in for the Gab with Gabby. And what cartoon is this, Abigail? Oh, I think I need you to turn on. Can you turn? Press your mic button in there. Oh, do we need to? Oh. First timer. <laughs> oh, Forte is running in. I've been saved. Sure, how to start Yay. the key? Turn the key. That's okay. We got to listen to the best song ever a little while longer. Right? Really, eh? Because I was thinking the- <laughs> This is the Rugrats. Come on. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Those, those kids are kind of freaky looking, aren't they? The Rugrats. They're cute, Greg. Come uh, on. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I suppose. <laughs> Angelica, obviously the best character, the spoiled brat. Are you? Is are, are you a spoiled brat, Abigail? Well, she did have two younger siblings who were twins, and my younger siblings were twins. So I think that's why I liked the show so much as a kid was because it was a little relatable. I don't know. Am I throwing myself under the bus saying that? No, not at all. We appreciate the honesty, and uh, thank you very much for filling in for Gabby this week in our Gab with Gabby. I guess we'll go with. Uh, I, I suggested either Gab with Abby or Gabigail. I like that one. Okay, there it is. Yeah, just on that reaction alone, that's the name of the segment for this week, <laughs> Gabigail. But you did say that you've got a story about Gabby from when you first met her. Oh, yeah. she's, she's rubbing her hands together. I'm excited to tell this story. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to, but I'm going to anyway. She's not here. <laughs> that's okay. She doesn't need to know about this. This is a story about the first time I met Gabby. She had been working for us for not too long. Um, she started on the morning show. She was probably about, oh, I don't know, let's say two weeks into the morning show. And as you guys know, we get up quite early for this morning show and your sleep schedule can be off a little bit. So... I was at home cooking dinner. It was probably 6.30, dark out. It was definitely probably around this time of year. So it gets dark out quite early and my phone starts ringing and it says Gabrielle Marchand on it. So I answer it. I don't even think I had time to say hello when I answered my phone. I just picked it up, and on the other end was Gabby, and she was frantic. She was uh, saying, oh, I'll be there so soon. I'll be there. Don't worry. If you could just fill on and, and sit sit on the desk for me, and I'll be right there, and I'm just grabbing my stuff. Don't, don't worry about it. I'm so sorry. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. What are you getting at? What is happening right now? And she said, the show. It's 6.30. It started already. And I said, Gabby, it's 6.30 p.m. (laughs) She said, what? I'm like, yeah, look at your clock. Look at your phone. It's nighttime. It's not 6.30 a.m. And she said, I just woke up from a nap and I was freaking out and I'm almost about to leave my house. And I said, well, girl, go back to bed. You've got some sleeping to do. Clearly, you are not well. Ever since, Gabrielle Marchand has used the 24-hour clock. That's right. That's <laughs> You've never been late. <laughs> the AM or PM panic is a genuine thing when you work this shift because it's dark when we wake up. It's dark when we go to bed. And I can't tell you how many times where I have awoken on my couch from taking a nap or whatever and looking at the clock and seeing, uh, you know, 6.30 and thinking, AM or PM, and sometimes it's to the point where, like, I'll actually jump out of bed or whatever, like (laughs) Spider-Man, like, is it AM or PM? I think that's how Jeff Braun describes it. 
I never used to think about that until I got that frantic phone call from Gabby. And now it's ingrained into my brain that I'm afraid I'm going to do that someday. That actually has never happened to you? on this morning show shift in these past few years? No, truly it hasn't. Mm. Wow, I, because I was warned by Brett and Greg early on that that would happen, and I think maybe I got to week two before I was running out down the hallway with like <laughs> half naked screaming, it's 8.30, why did anybody wake me? And my kids and my husband are just staring at me like, what? And they thought it was great. They thought that was a great entertainment, but I had a mini heart attack with that one. So that's funny that that hasn't occurred in your home. The flip side, the flip side of that one is Abigail. I'm so old. I know you love to talk about how old I am. I used to be a milkman, and uh, was uh, yes. First of all, what I used to be a milkman, and uh, it was summer summer job, and uh, so one year. For my, I think it was my 23rd birthday, my boys took me out for a very good night out on the town. And I only got as far as my front door. And I woke up on the carpet in my living room. Sun is shining. The birds are chirping. I jumped up. I'm running around. And I happened to be living with somebody at the time. And uh, my, we'll, we'll call her my roommate, says, what are you doing? I'm like, it's 930. I'm like six hours late for work. <laughs> It's Saturday, you idiot. So there you go. So it doesn't only happen in the dark. It sometimes happens when the sun comes up and you figure that you've missed an entire day of work. So it it will happen to you. I guess I should say I do have the um, half hour wake ups before you're actually supposed to wake up. So my alarm goes off at 2.30. So I think I wake up at 1, 1.30, just to make sure that I don't miss that alarm. So I do do that. Oh, no. That kind of sucks, though. It does. And and you'd think by now I would just set six alarms to make sure that I don't miss it. But for some reason, I have it ingrained in my brain that I'm going to set the one and I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to hit snooze and it's going to be fine. Wow. that You only set one alarm? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Is that dangerous? You are Discipline playing, and dangerous. You are playing with fire. But if you can do it, I salute you. I set like 46 alarms. I have my, my, my alarm clock goes off once and then it goes off again 15 minutes later. And then my phone is set to go off every 10 minutes between 2.30 and 6 a.m. Whoa. So. I, I feel like I'm jinxing it just by having this conversation you with are you are jinxing it. <laughs> Great. Hey, you and Kayla Evans were discussing different flavors of potato chips this week. And you mm-hmm. asked people what flavors you should try. What did you come up with? Okay, so I put a poll on Instagram. This all started with our 6 o'clock anchor, Lisa Dutton. She posted an Instagram video um, about Swiss Chalet gravy-flavored chips. And I replied to her story because I needed to know. I said, give me a review. What are they like? Is it worth the four bucks? And she proceeded to send me, I'm not even kidding, probably like four super in-depth Instagram (laughs) videos to me using very detailed descriptive words about these chips. Pretty much sold me. They're on my next uh, grocery shop order pickup, honestly. I want to try them for myself. But we posed that question on Instagram. I'm just pulling it up here because I want to share it with you. We got some weird... I said Old Dutch bacon. You did. I also got... Which we need to discuss that. Did you ever end up finding them, Loren? I think we told you to try them. Yeah, no, and I never did. And honestly, you know how I feel. I don't like to... I consider myself adventurous in a lot of ways, but when it comes to the chip, don't... There's maybe three flavors, maybe four that I want to dabble in, and I don't want to venture outside of that. Fair no, I, didn't, I do like bacon, so I stands to reason a bacon chip would be good. I had somebody tell me to try 
prawn cocktail flavored. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who makes those? They didn't say, but mm. now I'm on the hunt. Okay. So if anybody knows, I would love to know what is that Lay's? Buffalo, is that Old Dutch? Buffalo wing blue cheese. Outstanding from Old Dutch if you can find them. Okay. Oh, wow. I'll add it to the like. list. Abigail Turner filling in for Gabrielle Marchand this week on Global News Morning and filling in for The Gab with Gabby. This week, it's The Gabigail. Abigail Turner, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the Swiss chalet chips when you find them. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we got to give away that Santa Lucia pizza gift card. $20 pizza gift card for your favorite cartoon text messages. Deliberations on this honestly just ended like seconds ago. And uh, to the point where I was like, who's the winner? Who's the winner? Ah! And then I, I just pulled one down. And hopefully all three of us are in agreement. But uh, Loren, a solid runner-up, came from Bethany, which a, a cartoon I had completely forgotten existed. Yeah, I didn't even actually know this was a cartoon because I had only seen the movie. But Bethany texted to say, my favorite cartoon was Beetlejuice. My little brother and I used to watch it every Saturday morning in the 80s. At the time, our TV was quite small and I'm low vision, legally blind and could not see it in great detail. However, we loved it anyway. I recently purchased the cartoon on DVD and we watched it again together on my 50 inch TV. Wow, just as good as it was. Back then, and even better when you can actually see what's going on, Bethany Tech. So thank you for that, Bethany. But Scott, we're going with, hopefully we're going with Scott as our winner. (laughs) So Greg's nodding his head. I'm looking at him in our monitor. Greg, why don't you read what Scott very put in a lot of effort into typing this out for us. Well, I'm going to be really disappointed if I find out Scott just copied and pasted this from the internet. But uh, (laughs) anyway... I'm counting on the fact that he wrote this out. Uh, this is from 1948, where Bugs Bunny takes a wrong turn at Albuquerque and ends up in Scotland. Bug, Bugs hears the bagpipes and sees what he thinks is a monster attacking a woman. Bugs exclaims, I'll save ya! With, uh, while I'm engrossed with this cartoon, my grandmother, with all the energy that Bugs Bunny attacked the monster, ran from the kitchen to the living room when she heard the bagpipes arriving as the Scotsman tells Bugs, you've ruined me pipes! (laughs) And he may have as well have ruined my grandmother's pipes! She was so upset by what she saw, but laughed anyway. This would have happened in the 1960s, but is as clear as yesterday and still makes me laugh and grin when I see or think about it. Sorry about the horrible attempts at accents. I like quite liked the voice work, Greg. That was well done. Congratulations, Scott, and thanks to everybody for playing along with our favorite cartoon conversation. <laughs> National Addictions Awareness Week begins this coming Sunday, and it runs from November 22nd to the 28th. The Canadian Centre on Substance Abuse and Addiction is now championing the notion that change begins with me as their theme for this year's National Addiction Awareness Week. And the centre says it wants to present Canadians with ways that they can really reassess maybe the way that we think about substance abuse or substance use disorders, and also just the way we actually think about people who use drugs, Greg. Yeah, we know that more people than we realize have in the past or presently deal with some sort of addiction. Rick Bolin is a Manitoban living in Colorado, and he just launched his book, Addiction Emergency Response Plan, and Rick joins us now. Good morning, Mr. Bolin. Good morning, sirs and ma'am. 
Nice to have you here. Oh, ma'am. Oh, boy. Loren hates like that, ma'am. Rick. Rick, we've been down this Thanks. road before. Don't make me yell at well, you. I, I am not going to let you yell, but I'm not ready to talk to you guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we actually, I, we just need to go to two minutes of dead air because I was listening to you this morning, and I had an experience yesterday at the grocery store that stopped me in my tracks. The, I, this prawn cocktail chip, I get it. I, you, I lived in the UK for three and a half years, and I get it. Like they're really into like taking dinner and putting it into a bag, right? But yesterday, I am in my grocery store, and I'm not kidding you. I've been producing a uh, an Instagram post for your account. They are now selling. Uh, I'm glad you're sitting down. And Greg, find a chair that works this time. Um, they are selling Reuben sandwich chips beside the Cuban sandwich chip. And, and I'm just not sure where this chip industry is going. I'm feeling really uncomfortable about this. You know what? I, I will tell you, uh, Rick, that uh, there were a couple of years ago, like, like Lay's, they do the, every year. They, they, they put out their you know, the contest. Where you, you, whatever, yeah. yeah, you got to pick yeah. from four uh, fan-suggested yeah. flavors. And one of them was Montreal smoked meat. And it was honestly, I think, maybe the best potato chip I've ever had. Well, it'll be the best sandwich you ever have. <laughs> Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, but the, the Reuben sandwich chip, I think, I, I, don't, I like sauerkraut, but I don't know that I want it on a chip. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'd agree but with we you. We have more important things to talk about. We've got this uh, Addiction Awareness Week coming up. Yeah, that's right. So, Rick, just tell us, uh, what prompted you to write this book? It's, it's a long uh, story, and I'll make it real short. I ran a clinic for three years. Uh, a substance uh, use uh, 30-day integrated holistic residential clinic. Um, I thought I was pretty clever uh, when it came to dealing with addiction. Um, but when I faced a crisis at home uh, and my son was struggling um, with, with, a, with an issue around gaming, uh, his behavior around gaming was becoming very self-destructive, um, I didn't know where to start. And, and I'm a guy who's been in it for three years with hundreds of families uh, helping people with substance use disorders. Uh, but I had nowhere to go when it came to, even in my own home, dealing with a process addiction. And I thought, gosh, I've got to be able to write something that helps families who are dealing with either substance use disorders or with process addictions. And then, of course, like everything else in life, I got carried away uh, and I forgot to uh, to do the work. Um, but then this spring, I lost a very dear friend of mine. Um, when I was uh, in 10th grade at, uh, at Silver Heights, a uh, high school in St. James that's no longer there, uh, we talked about this. Um, uh, Mike Law was my best friend, um, and Mike was, uh, was an extremely talented student and athlete. He went on to become a lawyer and the president of the Manitoba Bar Association, and a substance use disorder torpedoed um, his career. And on the 4th of May this year, Mike fatally overdosed, um, and that really reminded me that there are so many people, not just in Manitoba, but worldwide, who are struggling with substance use disorders. And if there's something I can do to help, I need to do it. So I put pen to paper and I finished up this book. Um, and it's, it's, it's a book that I think will, it, it lets people get started. And it, it, this idea that change begins with me um, is just so incredibly important. And so here it is. It's, um, it's available. Uh, you can go to addictionerp.com, which is the website, and, and kind of get a sense of what it's all about. Well, Rick, my condolences for the loss of your friend. Uh, and I, I can only imagine how that's going through something like that. At the same time, it highlights to me 
just how prevalent substance abuse addictions and problems are in our community that we like to think it's somebody else's family that's going through it or someone else in a different neighborhood or a different town. And it really can hit home for so many of us. And so I I appreciate you speaking out about that, but also then trying to do the work because that's the question so many ask. What can I do about it? How can I help? What do I do? And I'm curious how your book might be different from other books that try to deal with substance abuse issues or other. Absolutely. You know, I think that um, for a lot of folks, when, when they realize that they're engaged in counterproductive behavior, either around a substance or a process, whether it's social media or it's beer, right, um, they don't know where to start, and they just don't have a plan. And so I, wanted, I put the word plan in the title quite on purpose. I want this to be a concrete approach. And so the book is short, it's easy to read, and it gets you into the rhythm of recovery. And what it does is it provides a short reading in the morning, and that reading is going to have a try this exercise in it. Save that for the after, you know, for midday. You do a you do an exercise midday. At, after that, you sit down with whoever you're working with through the book because the book advocates working together. It's a collaborative approach to recovery. So, we're, you know, I wrote it from a parent-child perspective because that was the situation that I was dealing with. But it works just as well to have a sponsor, sponsee, or a, a partner and an ally whatever you like. Two people should be working together on this and they should meet daily and talk about their progress and hold each other accountable. And then the book includes 30 days of journaling prompts. So each day for the first 30 days, you do one of those journaling prompts. So it takes a lot of the planning work out of it. The book is right there. You do a short reading, you do an exercise, you have a chat with whoever you're working with, and then you do your journaling, and you do that through 30 days, and it kind of walks you through this three steps of recovery, which are harm reduction, skill acquisition, and then finding purpose. And so the book really is, um, it, it's a recipe for the first 30 days to get you started. For those of us who have someone in our lives living with addiction, what should we keep in mind? Wow, that is such a great question. Um, You know, I would start with labels that so much of addiction recovery is inaccessible because we try to label people who are dealing with substance use disorders or who are dealing with counterproductive uh, uh, processes in their lives. And if we could take a step back from the label and focus on the behavior and approach people as as lovable and just remember that the person who's dealing with um, with a with an addiction issue is carrying so much shame and so much guilt that you need to just approach them with the deepest understanding possible. And that's why I'm asking people to work through this book together, because we all, whether we're in addiction or in recovery or we have never experienced uh, addiction in our lives, there's always something for us to learn about ourselves. And so just going slow, focusing on the behavior, not on the labels that we like to put on that behavior, and really recognizing that recovery is possible and that it takes time and that we need to go slow would be the best piece of advice I think I can offer. Rick, do you think people are apt to take, say, the the, the drug use or, or the... The, the porn addiction or whatever might be in an individual's life that's close to us and, and ask the question, why are you doing this to me? 
Oh, God, yes. This is, uh, you know, you're saying what everyone is thinking, and I think that is really important. Um, people who are dealing with addictive behaviors right, aren't doing it to you. And it's not something that they're probably particularly proud of towards themselves, right? Addiction is, you know, defined as, as, a, as a maladjusted behavior, right, or a maladjusted coping mechanism. There is something going on under the surface. There is some loneliness. There is some pain. There is some unresolved trauma. There is something going on under the surface. And this is a form of, you know, in, in the loosest sense of the term, thinking about it as self-medication. And that they are the, the person engaged in this behavior is, is neither trying to hurt you, nor are they particularly happy with the way they're treating themselves. Now, they may have given up on themselves, which is why we need to love them so much. But this is not something that they are doing to you. And I think, again, that's why it's so important to come together and to form that alliance and to agree to walk through those first 30 days together so that not only can we gain a deeper understanding of ourselves, but we can gain a deeper understanding of the individual who has been dealing with this behavior and has been, you know, uh, burdening themselves with so much shame and guilt towards, you know, their loved ones and the, the connections that mean the most to them. Before we let you go, Rick, can you just remind us again where we can get this book. There's so much in this and so much to discuss, but we'd like to help people out here with Addictions Week approaching in Manitoba. How can we get your book and, and help people through what you're calling your addiction emergency response plan? Yes, thank you. I mean, listen, any of your listeners that want to visit addictionerp.com um, will find a way both to buy the book there and or if you just want a free excerpt of the book so you can understand how it works, just go to the contact me page, send me a quick note that says, I want the free excerpt and I will send it to any of your listeners. I want people to get started. Um, obviously Scott Fielding this morning has been advocating for shop local. So I do, I would be honored to have the opportunity uh, as a Winnipegger to help other Winnipeggers dealing with this issue. So I hope that people will reach out Go to addictionerp.com or just go straight to Amazon and do a quick search on Amazon for Addiction Emergency Response Plan, and you can get a copy of the book. And I do. I've got Winnipeg on my mind. I really hope that we can see uh, people embracing this idea that change begins with me. The book will certainly help you gain a much deeper understanding of you, and I think we can get started there. Rick Bolden is a Manitoban living in Colorado who just launched his book, Addiction Emergency Response Plan. Rick, thank you so much for the time. Good luck to all of you. And with COVID going on, good luck to everyone in Winnipeg. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.